The other night, I, I did a message on the imputed righteousness that we get from Jesus Christ. The same way that sin was imputed to us through Adam, for the Bible says, for as by one man sin entered into this world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Bible says, as in Adam all die, in Christ are made alive again. So just as, as we lost our fellowship with God, we lost our spiritual life due to Adam's sin, we got it back again from the quickening spirit, Jesus Christ, whenever we trusted him through belief. And I, I'm ex- going to exhaust this a little bit more tonight with the fact that I that there's tenses involved here. I want you to see that it not only has to do with past sins and present sins, but also with future sins. And, and a lot of folks don't understand that and, and don't get it. First of all, you need to understand that you're made up of three parts. If we had that board here, we'd show you real quick. But you have a body and you have a soul and you have a spirit. Adam sinned. His, he lost spiritual life. And the first Adam was of the earth, earthy. The last Adam was a quickening spirit. And then a few verses down it says the, the last Adam was the Lord from heaven, Jesus Christ. So you're born with that, that body and soul. It appears that that soul is stuck to the body. There's a verse that says, my soul cleaveth to the dust. And there's a spiritual operation that takes place over in Colossians 2 down around verse 10. It talks about that soul and, and the dead spirit that's cut loose from the body of flesh the moment you get uh, saved and that spirit is quickened and made alive again and it intertwines, I think, uh, it knitted together is the word that I think Brother Phil, he's got a good handle on that with your spirit. And we are, we're renewed in the image of God by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So we're renewed in the image of God that Adam lost. And then there's a separation. The body of flesh is one entity. Paul said, and Paul perhaps the greatest Christian that ever lived said, I know that within me, that is within my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. He's not talking about the new creature. He's talking about that body of flesh. In fact, he said, one day that God will change our vile bodies. Wow. You mean my body? Well, that's what Paul said. So let's look at this doctrine of imputation in, in a kind of a, a, an additional light that we've looked at, at it in the last uh, few weeks. But I'm going to be in Romans 4 and verse 5. And Paul said, but to him that worketh not. But, instead of working, but, that's a word of contrast but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So through fa- the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. You're wasting your time. You can work, you can join every do-good club in the country, every civic organization, and you can do all these wonderful things But without faith in Christ, you're wasting your time as far as getting you to heaven. 
but his faith. It says, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now, an Old Testament Jew, he comes to God and he says, well, how can I be righteous? That's the Jew before Christ died on the cross. And God said, well, you keep the law. And uh, whenever you don't keep it, then you've got to provide a sacrifice. You follow the statutes and the ordinances that I laid out for you in the Levitical law. And that sacrifice would picture a better hope. Jesus Christ had pictured a, a future atonement of Jesus Christ. Better hope, better covenant would be revealed through the gospel. The only way we get to heaven is through the gospel. And as long as that fellow did, that Jew did what God told him to do, he made it to paradise. Let me give an example, and and I I love this passage of scripture in Luke, Luke chapter 1, where it talks about Elizabeth and Zacharias. Uh, Luke 1, 5 said, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking, watch it now, watch it, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. They weren't sinless. But they kept the sacrifice. So as long as they did what God told them to do, God counted to them righteousness and counted them blameless. Isn't that wild? And and that that got them by until the sin debt was paid. Those Old Testament sacrifices didn't pay for the sins, they simply covered the sins. Until Jesus Christ paid that debt, made that atonement in our place. Now here under that, uh, under the law, those Jews weren't sinless, but they were kept. They kept the law and the sacrifice. They were counted blameless. And when a man comes to God now as a sinner, an unsaved, a Gentile, say like Abraham. I'm a Gentile. Abraham started out as a Gentile. How do I get saved? God said, well, you believe what I, what I say. You believe, you believe what God says, the record. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his son. So Ab- now looking back at Abraham, Abraham looked beyond the natural unlikelihood of Sarah having a child in her old age. He looked beyond that because that to the natural man, seemed very unlikely. And by faith, he just believed God. So uh, you and I go to God today, and God tells us to believe the gospel. Remember that lost Gentile jailer? That jailer fell down before Paul and Silas and said, What must I do to be saved? That's Acts 16. Acts 16, around verse 30. He said, What must I do to be saved? And verse 31, and they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. That's a promise from God. God's spokesman there, the Apostle Paul. Now, when we come to Christ with a repentant heart, then on the basis of our belief, our faith, we are justified. Our faith is counted for righteousness. That don't make us righteous. 
Or else Paul wouldn't have said that there's within my flesh dwelleth no good thing. We're not righteous. But we're counted judicially declared righteous because of Jesus Christ. Paul said in Philippians 3, 9, And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of, faith, of God by faith. You and I as Christians, we walk by faith, we live by faith, we're saved by faith. For by grace, through by faith, by grace through faith, we're saved. Uh, now, three blessings in David's experience. Remember David in Romans 4, 6 uh, here's an illustration. It says, even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. Isn't that, isn't that man, that's a, that's a wonderful news flash if you've never heard that because some folks just work like a dog to think they can earn their way to heaven and they always fall short. Uh, three blessings in David's experience here. It says, even uh, as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. Now, that's a present blessing. God imputeth righteousness without works. That's a blessed thing for, for me to know that God counts me righteousness without me trying to impress him by how religious and how good a fellow that I am. What do you think that thief on the cross was going to do about it? He didn't do any works. He didn't get baptized. He just said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Hmm. All right. So God imputes righteousness without works. In verse 7 it says, saying, and he's quote, quoting Psalms 32, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. <coughs> Now, that speaks to a blessing of past sins being forgiven. All my sins are forgiven. That's past sins. That makes sense. And whose sins are covered. All right. It wouldn't be covered if I hadn't sinned yet. That's past sins. And then the third blessing is to the future. In verse 8 it says, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord, watch it, will not, will not impute sin. That's future. It says the Lord will not impute sin. And David understood that uh, uh, probably better than Abraham did. And Abraham is given imputed righteousness. So David reaps the blessings of his sins not being imputed to him. And David's example is, is negative. <clears throat> Abraham's example is positive. Let me give you, tell you what I'm talking about. Abraham is given something that he didn't have. He's given the righteousness of God. He didn't have that. Now David is given a blessing of not getting something that he did have. Under the law, he had sinned, and he was subject to capital punishment. There was no sacrifice for David's sin. He was a murderer. He was an adulterer. He was guilty of conspiracy to commit murder. 
of what did David deserved? He deserved the death penalty. Under Jewish law, he deserved and should have gotten the death penalty. And do you know what God did for David? He didn't impute that sin to him. He, man, that's wild. You know what that passage is telling you? It says you're saved by faith and you are kept by faith. In the person of Abraham, you have salvation by faith. And in the person of David, you can't lose it. David said, uh, man, it's not only... Uh, it's not only blessed that God will impute you righteousness, but he will not future impute to you sin. Man, that's incredible. Only God can do that. Only a gracious God. And that's who he is. And notice something about David. And, and Brother Phil and I have had this discussion in years past about God's, God go have a dispensation for one person. With David, he had a special dispensation for David here. And the Old Testament, no sacrifice for murder or for adultery. And that spoke uh, to the blessedness of it. That's a blessed thing for David here. Uh, and one says David is not typical of an Old Testament saint. David has what is referred to as the sure mercies of God. Remember that? The sure mercies of David. And the Bible says in Acts 13 34, I will give you the sure mercies of David. So all of us who are in Christ have these sure mercies of David. David had it as a specific promise to one man from God, and there isn't anyone else in the Old Testament. That had the kind of promises that David had. Now why is that? Why is that? Well because David is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a picture and a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And a picture of a New Testament believer. With eternal security. God said I'm just not going to count it against you. And we see that if we understand that what we first talked about, that spiritual operation of God that cut that soul and spirit loose from the body of flesh. The sins are imputed to the flesh, the sins of the flesh are imputed to the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ. Remember that story, the scapegoat, those preachers, those priests would come and they'd lay their hand, uh, all it would represent all the sins of the people and put it on that scapegoat and it'd run out into the desert. Jesus was the scapegoat. He took our sins for us, and God don't impute sin to us because of his son. All right? And uh, usually in every New Testament doctrine, there's an Old Testament type. There's types in the Old Testament. David gets in on the blessing, and look at uh, 2 Samuel. <coughs> 2 Samuel 7. And God speaking of David, he says this. He said, he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever, and I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men, but my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. You've heard us teach on the judgments of God. 
God whips us as a child of God. What father that scourgeth us, uh, his son, even the child in whom he delighteth. God does that. And then he talks about that here with David. But his mercy does not fail. Still saved. You can get whooped up on by God and still be saved. And with God, it's always remedial to bring you back. God said, I'll put your, uh, I'll put your, son, uh, throne, your son on the throne, David, and, and, and I will take my mercy from him. I will not take my mercy from him like I did with Saul. That's the sure mercies of David. Hmm. He said, if he commit iniquity, I will. I will what? I will chasten him. He'll whip you. How does that apply to the believer? Well, the truth to the believer today is that God will grant you righteousness that is imputed to you through Jesus Christ. But you still have a father-child relationship. You step out of line, you're going to get a whipping from God. He will not impute to you sin. But what happens when you commit iniquity? You're chastened. That's why Paul uses uh, these two examples. Uh, Abraham didn't have any righteousness and it was given to him by faith. And David uh, was in a position to lose it, to have sin imputed to him, but he didn't. You have salvation by faith and you have security by faith in those two examples. Not only has he forgiven you past sins, but with this sure mercies of David, he's told you that he will not future impute sin to the believer. Man, that ought to put you on shouting ground. Man, I'm thankful for that. Man, I've, 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 uh, I've gone up against that envelope, pushed that envelope and that window where I think I've just tempted God's mercy to the point he's going to zap me and get me out here. And, and he just, I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed at his graciousness and his mercy. And I realize that it's all him. That's who he is. Don't have anything. It's who he is. He's full of love and mercy and grace and long-suffering and kind and gentle. And he loves me because of his precious son, Jesus Christ. My intercessor seated at the right hand of the Father. Say, well, I don't know if I believe that, uh, preacher. Well, look at David. David committed murder, committed adultery, conspiracy to commit murder. Now, that kind of mercy is beyond, beyond understanding, beyond the law. <clears throat> now, I know that when I get out of line and I don't confess it, God will send judgment. He says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Another place says, if we judge ourselves, we're not judged. But we commit sin and we just act like everything's fine and go along, look out, look out. Our country needs to be looking over its shoulder, so to speak, with the sinfulness of this nation. If I get too wicked... I refuse to confess it. I may be like that fellow over in Corinthians where Paul said, I have judged already to turn such a one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. 
that the spirit might be saved in the day of Jesus Christ. There's a sin unto death. You can get so, a Christian can get so out of line with God, out of sorts with God, where God says, I've had it with him. I've had it with her. My, my, my. If I ignore his chastisement, if I ignore the whipping from God, he'll send more whippings. <laughs> and that's what happened to that foul fetch, 1 Corinthians 5. Remember the story of the fellow who was sleeping in his father's wife, and they went to him, and he wouldn't get it right. And Paul said, just turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. And I think he finally got it right, didn't he? I don't think they did that. So He was saved, but he's committing an awful sin. Poor testimony uh, for the church, brought reproach upon the church, reproach upon the name of Christ. I'll read those verses. 1 Corinthians 5, 5, To deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Then in 1 Corinthians eleven thirty, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that... We should not be condemned with the world. This body of flesh is still capable of sin. This girl that I buried yesterday, you know, I'm sure a lot of folks thought, well, could she go to heaven? Well, sure she could. The flesh, Paul said, we are those that have no confidence in the flesh. Flesh is capable of anything. Your flesh is capable of a lot of things you didn't realize you were capable of until the time and the chance happens to you. I'm thankful that God does not impute the sins of my flesh to that new creature that he has created in me. Born again. Bought with a price. That new creature when God looks at that, looks at me, sees that new creature perfect in Christ. My, my life, your life, if you're saved, is hid with Christ in God. God don't see that old flesh. The same way uh, in Hebrews, you never see those Old Testament sins listed. Uh, and, and that Hebrews chapter 11, that hall of faith as they say. Those sins of the flesh are identified with the sacrificial work of the Lord and his righteousness is imputed back to me. He was my sin bearer. By his stripes, we are healed. God has imputed to me righteousness, and he will not, that's his, he will not impute sin unto me. Now, for a lot of denominations, that's a hard doctrine to swallow. Because they reason with a natural mind, that just don't seem right. How can that be? That's God. Because God's still in charge. He can do what he wants to do. He said, I will have mercy on who I'll have mercy on. <laughs> and that ought to make a Baptist shout. To know that even your future sins will not be imputed to that new creature. Hmm. I heard a story, I don't know where, where I heard it, about Martin Luther. He was kind of a nut on this grace thing and said, said he'd sometimes tell people, you ought to go out and commit some sin just so you can spit in the devil's face because God won't impute it. You know, I wouldn't recommend that. 
imputed righteousness. Your sins are forgiven. They've been forgiven. And they will not be imputed to you. Imputed righteousness of God. It's reckoned to you. It's, count, it's a charge to Christ's account. Your sin. He paid the debt. It's a song he paid. Uh, he uh, paid a debt I couldn't pay. I owed a debt I couldn't pay. He paid a debt. I didn't know. I forget it. Uh, Melba used to sing that song. So take some peace of heart tonight and some peace of mind with this Bible truth that if you're saved, if you're born again, that old flesh is separate from the new creature. It's referred to as the old man, that old nature, and the new creature. Sin is not imputed to that new creature. It's not counted against the new creature. What a wonderful thing. See, that's the only way God can, uh, can have fellowship with us. If we still had that, if we had that sin attached to the new creature, God couldn't have fellowship. And that new birth, I forget how uh, Brother Estep had a way of explaining that. That's a, uh, where, where God with the, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, he, he had to separate there to a point or at, for, to have fellowship with us. He indwells us. He couldn't, that, that, that flesh is a mess. So we have that spiritual life. We become joined to Christ. We're bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. And folks get over there and they'll read passages out of context talking to a Jew in the tribulation, try to, uh, try to uh, put it on a Christian in this age and it just never works. So, well, you got to endure to the end. That's talking to the Jew in the tribulation. That has nothing to do with the church. Church has already been called out. They haven't rightly divided it. But take peace tonight and take comfort in the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ will not impute your sin to you. Isn't that a wonderful doctrine? I'm done. Let's, we'll leave a little bit early tonight. Everyone find a songbook. That doctrine is called the imputed righteousness of God. I'm thankful for it. And, and, and I love the part where the God said, I will not impute sin to you. Wow. Thanks be to God for his mercy and grace. The altar's open tonight. Aren't you glad you're safe? Aren't you glad that you serve such a kind and gentle and loving Merciful God. What page? It's 306. 306. Have thine own way.